3: But your eyes tell you it's true! Sell! I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the deck. And
0: welcome to episode 256 of the Kaiju Cast, a podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the third episode of February 2019. And if you can't tell, my voice is a little froggy. Unfortunately, I'm doing the thing I probably hate to do the most on the podcast, which is record while I'm a little sick. So, please bear with me. I won't be speaking too long about this movie. What movie, you might ask? We are talking about the third and final installment in the Godzilla anime trilogy, Godzilla the Planet Eater. We will get to that in just a minute, but before we do, let's kick things off with one of the more exciting tracks from the film's composer, Takeyuki Hattori. This one is called Bila Saludo Rebellion. Once again, class, it's time for our Daikaiju discussion. While this month we're looking at the last film in the Toho anime trilogy, we're also going to take two steps back and revisit the trilogy as a whole for just a moment. In August of 2016, Toho announced it would be working with Polygon Pictures, writer Jen Uroboshi, and directors Kobun Shizuno and Hiroyuki Seshida on a new Godzilla anime. I remember a lot of people being very interested when the news came out because the marketing team would go on to sort of like post some images from the designs of this movie way before the movie came out. uh, Godzilla's new design was teased and then shown after online. And that actually is where I think a lot of fan enthusiasm hit its first hiccup. Godzilla Earth looked so similar to the legendary Godzilla from 2014's Hollywood blockbuster. And while the tree design, you know, the sort of like tree bark looking skin that he has, it was unique. It just comes across as lazy creature design. And it doesn't really take advantage of the medium, which I think is what a lot of people have an issue with with these films. They're not really taking advantage of the medium of animation. So let's talk about that medium here. We are looking at cell shaded 3D animation, and my brain does not like it. After sitting through these films way more times than they deserve, I can say that there's almost an uncanny valley dissonance happening in this series like when the characters look like they're hand-animated, but they behave like a 3D video game player model, do not want. I know we touch on this in the upcoming discussion, but I would 1 million percent rather have hand-animated films. I think Netflix did a great job with some of the anime that they're putting out, like Devilman, and of course we bring up Gridman in the discussion too. I'm going to do my best to make sure we give this trilogy, not just the singular movie, a fair shake. So without even taking the films into consideration, I think it was a bold move, bold, somewhat necessary move for Toho to produce an animated trilogy or a series or even just a singular film because at this point, they can't make live-action movies and so they need to do something to keep Godzilla in the front of people's minds. I've been trying to find something good to say about it and despite it being very easy to join in the negativity from my fellow fans, I feel like there is some good, especially in this entry specifically. So let's get caught up. The first of the trilogy, Godzilla Planet of the Monsters, or Gojira Gaiju Wakuse, finds the last remnants of humanity attempting to find a new home 22 years after having evacuated Earth following Godzilla's utter devastation. We open with our main character, Captain Haruo Sasaki, trying to expose corruption in the remnants of the human race. Supplies are low and the population is dropping. Things aren't looking too good for humanity or for the two alien races, the Exif or the Bilasiludo that have allied themselves with our displaced populace. When they realize that their target planet was inhospitable, the decision is made to return to Earth using alien warp technology. And when they arrive back at Earth, they soon realize that this process accidentally launched the Aritrum 10,000 years into the future. And on this completely alien world of Earth, the humans and aliens find Godzilla still alive, still very dangerous. Leading the humans, Exif, and B- Leading the humans, Exif and B- Le- Saludo, Captain Hiroo Sasaki comes up with a plan to defeat Godzilla. Like, to actually destroy Godzilla. And they do it, too. They kill Godzilla. Oh, right. I mean, godzilla Phileas. <laughs> because the real Godzilla, I mean, the 300-plus-meter-tall Godzilla Earth, ends up erupting from the ground, laying waste to the entire landing party. Not really, though. The second film, Godzilla City on the Edge of Battle, or Gojira Kesen Kido Zoshoku Toshi, was helmed by the same team and I'm not really sure if they made all three of these movies at the same time, but it's certainly plausible that this trilogy was created in one fell swoop. City on the Edge of Battle showed us that not all of the landing party had been decimated. Some had been taken in by the natives, which are sort of painted up like Mothra. Others had been saved by sticking together, maybe. Anyway, the Bela Saludo aliens recognize some nanometal, which was the compound that made up their Mechagodzilla. You know, the one that wouldn't turn on when Godzilla attacked in the very intro of the first film. Apparently, the nanometal survived Godzilla's wrath and has been slowly forming itself into the perfect disguise, hidden away from the king of the monsters, the lost city of Mechagodzilla. The plan to revive Mechagodzilla and Mechagodzilla City is afoot, and the exact same plan from the first film, just embiggened to match Godzilla Earth's immense size, is also put into play. That plan, however, included humans and Bila Saludo fusing with the nanometal, which is a small detail omitted by the Bila Saludo aliens. So in order to save his special gal Yuko, our hero Haruo destroys the Mechagodzilla control room to stop the nanometal from killing his sweetie, or cousin. I can't even with this film. With Mechagodzilla City down for the count, Godzilla Earth does what he does best, annihilation, followed by sleep. This brings us to the final installment of the trilogy, Godzilla the Planet Eater, or Gojira Hoshi Oku Mono, which was released theatrically in Japan on November 9th, 2018, and was subsequently available on Netflix starting January 9th, 2019. So apparently the plot device at the end of the second film, Yuko, cannot be saved because nanometal, guys. So they put her on the back burner, or on a slab for like the entire film. Haruo is on trial, the Bila Saludo are trying to convict slash court-martials, maybe even execute Haruo for destroying Mechagodzilla City, and we find out that the Exif have been manipulating humans since the dawn of time, pushing us to create monsters through our own technological aspirations. Now, it's barely seen in the previous two films, but the Exif have been playing their cult card. They play it really hard in this film, and there are a lot of humans who are super into it, apparently, because if you've watched any cult documentaries, humans are stupid. The cult activates their gods, which I think everybody by now knows is King Ghidra. And Ghidra eventually arrives on Earth, and the two kaiju battle. Sort of.
3: I don't think I can defeat Godzilla. Maybe humans were puppets, used to birth giant creatures like this one right in front of us. If we are to summon God here, you are the one who must stand at the altar. What exactly are you trying to do? We are surpassing eternity, and the task we accepted is finally about to be completed. He's God! God will defeat Godzilla! Give praise to God. We will continue our path of divine devotion. Now, bow down and pray to the Golden Demise. Godzilla to be, Godzilla, is your undying hatred. That thing won't just kill Godzilla. He the entire Earth is going to be destroyed as well. So you plan to destroying us and Godzilla? No, the entire planet? Everything all at once? And that is why you waited and you wished to finally be freed from everything. It would just become a lie. Connect life. Give praise to your demise. We don't need to have salvation. There is nothing greater than We have been waiting for this.
0: Joining me here in the studio, the one brave soul who I asked. I didn't even ask the rest of the kaiju crew to come watch this movie. Gretchen, thanks for joining me today.
1: Hey, no problem, buddy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah, I feel like I need a safe space after watching the third Godzilla anime film, otherwise known as Godzilla the Planet Eater. I guess the first thing I'd say is let's talk about our first impressions. What did you think of the Planet Eater, Gretchen?
1: There are things that I really enjoyed about the movie. Okay. Um, overall versus the other two. Did I enjoy the movie? Would I recommend it? Probably not. Okay. Uh, only if you're a, I would say an avid Godzilla fan, would I even recommend it? Because honestly, there's so, so much removal of core I guess there's not really a core storyline for Godzilla, anyways. But but, like, but you're
0: talking about the core structure of what makes a Godzilla movie, right? Those you know? are
1: those elements are absolutely missing. Yes, <laughs> and
0: missing on purpose. Like let's sure. let's be perfectly honest here. At this point in the series, the animated series here, the anime series, we know that this is a deconstructionist attempt at telling a Godzilla tale, creating okay. a Godzilla universe, meaning that they're specifically looking at what has been made before taking it all apart taking the things that they want out of it and putting those into their movie and does it work i guess on some levels maybe
1: there's some forced continuity in a lot of ways
0: but overall you really are taking everything that these movies embodied from you know 1954 through 2016 essentially and tossing it out the window so that they can make their own movie. Sure. Or their own trilogy, you know. Um, I don't know if you know this. This was originally supposed to be a TV series.
1: Was it successful in Japan? The movie? These movies, yeah.
0: Mm, I don't think that they would classify as successes. Really? Really. I mean Well,
1: are they more successful than Godzilla films and I mean, I know that Shin Godzilla did like did some like crazy records.
0: Yeah, and it but, might be hard to like quantify it because of Shin Godzilla. Right. Um, in terms of the box office, I know that the very first movie was did not do very well. And then the second movie came out and I was like, where are the box office results on this film at all? Mm-hmm. And I don't even know about the third film. Oh, I see. Hopefully I'll know for the other part of the recording I can share that information. But <laughs> I mean, at this point, at this point, I don't think that these movies did well.
1: I see.
0: I don't think that they... They were expected to do gangbusters if that makes then sense.
1: Why put a lot of money into something that
0: But how much money was put into it? We don't know.
1: Well, I don't see I don't see Toho as like putting out their brand needlessly without getting some result. Like at least the American Godzilla films that have been like those are the mm-hmm. using the licensing they have done well.
0: Yes, the American films have absolutely made money for sure, and we're expecting this next one to be oh, it's gonna another be big blockbustery huge. money maker too. But these, you know, movies in Japan are they're not judged differently. They're definitely judged by the money they bring in. Sure, but you know, I don't know how much effort actually went into making this film compared to a normal live action Godzilla movie. You know, with a live action Godzilla movie, there are so many parts moving to make it happen, to get it filmed and put onto celluloid, you know. And then in an anime film that's created all entirely in a computer, just doesn't seem like it has that kind of effort. I should probably watch some of those behind the scenes things from Pixar films to really get a better understanding of how these things work. Mm -hmm. But it's just hard for me to, to equate effort. Into a 3D animated film, as I would to a live action film, if that makes sense.
1: So, if I like compare them to other anime, right? For instance, let's take we're going to take like right now a very current SSS Gridman. Okay. So that series is obviously a lot of computer generation. Um, like the the animating animating is like is done in computer generation.
0: But just the, um, correct me if I'm wrong. That's not for the human parts, right?
1: No, I think it's mostly like the transformation stuff and like those sequences. Yeah, the big monster stuff. Right. But so there's big monsters. Those that looked better in that show that's done a weekly like drop through than this movie that we've been anticipating like within years of each other.
0: Yeah. I don't, in terms of that way, success wise, I definitely don't find it successful at all. Right. But I don't, I don't know how the Japanese fans feel about this. I feel Mm -hmm. like, a lot of times what I hear from people when I ask about, Oh, do they like this or this? It's like, Oh, 50 50, you know, half of them like it this way. Half of them like it this way. Yeah. And maybe, maybe half of them like this. I think this story would probably appeal more to somebody who wasn't into the Godzilla series. It would probably so. appeal more to somebody who had a passing interest in Godzilla, but never really saw the draw. And they're like, Oh, anime. I like anime. Oh, maybe I'll check this out. But I don't, I can't imagine anybody watching these three movies. And coming away with, wow, that was great. I loved all three of those.
1: <laughs> oh, man.
0: I mean, yeah.
1: Oh, man. <laughs>
0: so anyway, my first impressions of The Planet Sorry Eater we were... No, we're just going to keep doing that. Uh, my first impressions of The Planet Eater are that it's better than some of the other parts of the other two films, but overall still fairly disappointing. Agreed. I, I would say that... Godzilla and Ghidra make a slightly more compelling story than the Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, which was <laughs> very, very not a Kaiju story. Uh, I know that at some point, you know, the Mothra was in the story at some point for a brief split second, but not as a physical manifestation. I'm
1: disappointed in that Mothra action.
0: The whole movie is just a big disappointment, really, and the the trilogy when you look at when you look back on it and I did actually try and watch all three movies in a row, really is disappointing. Could I actually break into a little bit of a story here? please? knowing that we were going to do this Daikaiju discussion, I put all three movies on my iPad,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, when I came back from Japan, I was like, "Oh, I'll watch these on the plane i maybe maybe ten minutes into the first movie before it just shut me down and I was asleep. <laughs> I only woke up because I dropped my iPad. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I was awake for the rest of the plane ride. But the, the the point here is that these movies, the point that you've probably heard so many people say, is that these movies are not engaging. They are boring as films go. And like the thing that drives me crazy about them is that I feel like they should be sent to a script doctor. Mm-hmm. a script doctor should be like whoa you cut way too many words in here and like slice a whole bunch of stuff out and make it more palatable because they put so much techno babble that it's just i can't eat it i can't eat this movie that's how i feel about it it's like there's yeah. too much stuff i don't know where to start and then when i figure out where to start i'm not interested
1: <laughs> in it. well and also like we were talking about this earlier. Is like the 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 flowery conversations, like they're side conversations, but it's it's so such a it's spoken in such a strange manner. Mm-hmm. Like when he pokes, are we allowed to spoiler this?
0: Uh, let's not spoiler it. Actually, just because oh. it just came out, you know, like we're yeah. not going to go into all the details of the movie, but. I mean, if somebody likes this stuff, I want them to be able to listen to the discussion and it's not true. and then be like, oh, hey, I'll go back and check that out. Not that you would based on our recommendations Sorry. so far.
1: I, but, I guess like, I guess just ultimately like just hearing the way not ultimately, but hearing the way they the way they're talking to one another. Mm hmm. Is so bizarre. It's not
0: very natural. No, it's it, not very natural. It, it, That's why I think a script doctor. Yeah, which is somebody who would look at your script and tell you what works, what doesn't work, and you know this is going to help you connect with an audience. Like they don't have that, and if they don't have it in Japan, they might have it in Japan, but they don't have it at uh, Netflix. Netflix so needed a script doctor for this. Did you this, watch in my the opinion. dub of it, or I did watched you, both.
1: So did you think the dub is more engaging?
0: I find that the for these movies specifically, these it's better for me to watch the dub because it's less reading mm. of nonsense because when you read the lines you essentially have 80% of the words you're reading don't matter to the story. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's just so over the top the amount of words they're using to describe what's happening it just does it's unnecessary so the dub i feel makes it a little more palatable
1: oh okay so maybe i should listen i mean not that i really want to do that but i'm like should i give it another chance and like watch it in english and see. i'm
0: shaking my head no, no. <laughs> i mean <laughs> overall I wanted to like these movies so much, but <laughs> let's just talk about what we liked to it. Okay. about it. So let's we, go to like. We were we so both, negative. <laughs> yeah, we both have said that there are things in this movie that we enjoyed, so let's talk about some of those things. We can spoil a couple of little things for the people just to give them something to maybe look out for if they decide to watch this film. So, Gretchen, what did you like most oh, gosh. in specifically Godzilla the Planet Eater?
1: There was a moment that actually gave me chills. Okay. Well, there's two moments. One, when... Mephis has the stone in his hand, and he looks down at his hand, and then you hear the sound of Ghidorah. Okay, yeah, yeah, like Ghidorah's call, and I was like, "Oh, that's." I had I actually yeah. got chills, and I was like, "Oh, that's really smart." And then the moment when Ghidorah is summoned and starts coming out
0: from the ceremony, from the ceremony, yes. where the ceremony some that uh, absolutely that's my yeah. favorite part of the movie. Absolutely creepy. And done very well. Yes. So well that it makes me go, what happened to the rest of the movie? Like, why couldn't you make that connection? Right. That's the only time in this film that I'm like engaged in what's happening, really.
1: Yeah. I just thought there was a lot of really beautiful like musical cues that were smart. Um, the music in particular for the ceremony and when um, Gita is summoned and starts coming down in his mm-hmm. descent or its descent.
2: Sure, yeah.
1: Uh, there was some really cool like scores that were happening in that time period and I was like oh that's I mean that's redeeming in some ways because I'm a music nerd
0: sure sure and I mean I, I would say that not just that scene but the fact that small hits of themes not musically but mm-hmm. like thematic moments from the previous two movies being brought back and you know having a light shone on them in this third film, is like oh, finally, you know, we're right. we're talking a little bit more about what it means to be human or what it means to uh, be a monster. Really, I mean, there's a lot of talk about religion in this in this yeah, movie there too. Is. You know, so Pretty heavy. I guess that was kind of cool, but at the yeah. same time, I didn't. I mean, again, not enough to engage me. You so know, what that, was
1: your awesome things?
0: Yeah that that really that's what I'm talking about is that that <laughs> one scene where the the ceremony scene. Really, really good. Like, really, really good. And actually, even when Ghidra finally appears, I thought it was kind of cool looking, but I just don't really like this design of Ghidra. I don't like these redesigns. Like, if they had made Mechagodzilla into not a city, but an actual robot, I would have been okay with it, you know? Since Ghidra actually appears somewhat and somehow, I just, you, okay, so here's, not even here's an issue I have with Ghidra, right? Yeah. Ghidra is the planet eater or Ghidra is, you know, this big thing that's going devil. to bring destruction upon everything. And, like, I never get the sense that he's that powerful, you know? He comes through the the three black holes in the sky and attacks Godzilla. Godzilla can't hit him. But that, that, that brings into question, like, well, wait a second. Are we really supposed to be rooting for Godzilla now? Or the Ghidra? Or mankind? Like. Yeah. Get it straight, movie.
1: <laughs> like. Well, you have that moment of, like, where Haru is, like, he's all, he seems like he's, he's conflicted between, like, his love for, um, Mephis, whatever. <laughs>
0: That dude is conflicted the entire <laughs> trilogy. Okay, it's one of the so things, true. One of the things that I was noticing as I was going back and watching the first and second film is that this guy can't keep his motivation straight.
1: No, he's you know? young.
0: Even the very first scene of the very first movie, where the the shuttle transport blows up. He's threatening to blow it up and then when it blows up he's like, "Oh no." <laughs> you know, just and then from there he gets taken to earth and then he's like, "I see the little flowers. You remembered me. Oh, I've got to fight for the earth now." And then uh now it's like, "Oh no, Godzilla versus it's just uh, nothing." I got nothing.
1: i sp- You know who we should be rooting for? Mothra. Please tell me. Tamago. <laughs> The egg, yes, or the
0: hotua, or the shadow of Mothra that appears in the skies over Nagasaki or Hiroshima or whatever that
1: was. Oh, that was weird,
0: yeah. You know, the I tell you one thing I did not appreciate with. I'm just gonna go ahead and move things I didn't like Let's about go. this movie. I did not appreciate the um, the time and space changes that they made, where all of a sudden you're seeing things out of order yes. time wise you know, almost anti-linearly. And it just, it makes a more, it makes a confusing movie way more confusing when you do that. Absolutely. And I just thought that if you're going to try and tell your tale and you're already making a confusing movie, that's a bad idea. Time travel stuff is a bad idea.
1: Well, don't you think those were like missed opportunities though? Like, so if they were going to do a time travel thing Mm -hmm. and they were going to do like hinting at Godzilla's at first existence because of the nuclear bomb going off, Right. So they're, that's what they're kind of hinting at. I get the vibe. I'm, I'm picking up what they're putting down. Now they should have like fast forwarded like dis- mm-hmm. of oxygen destroyer. They should fast forward. Like we should see yeah. flashes of why Godzilla was such a threat to the planet or we were a threat to the planet, but it, but it's just, it felt like it was like a missed opportunity. Like, why would we go back to see the origin without any explanation?
0: Even in the beginning of the movie, though, they're talking, they've got two guys talking about the origin of the monster, and they're like, oh, didn't we create the monsters? Like, no, we're saying that the monsters have been here all along, you know? Oh, no. I just, I can't. I just can't with this, this movie. And, like, the fact that the filmmakers sort of seem to be like, yes, everybody hates the movie. We love that. Really? Oh, yeah. There was an article that came out that basically the filmmakers said something along those lines.
1: <laughs> and, like, oh, wow.
0: Yeah, like uh, you yeah, know, diehard fans are not enjoying it. Like our mission accomplished. <laughs>
1: that's your bread and butter, buddies.
0: No, not them. I mean, <laughs> that's Polygon Pictures. I mean, that's Gen Uroboshi. I mean, Gen Gen Uroboshi's not going to his career's not going to be sidetracked by this Godzilla anime trilogy, you know. He's got a prolific writing career ahead of him forever, I think. <laughs> I just don't I just don't appreciate it, you know, in the you know, the director, uh, Kobun Shizuno and uh, Hiroyuki Sashida, like those guys, I'm sure, are going to work on other things. It's like, this is a sidetrack mm. where they're like, oh, let's do a Godzilla movie. Bloop. Go out, do the Godzilla movie. Boop, Come back. and They're just going to go right back to their their anime stuff.
1: What other anime have they done?
0: For the answer to that, listen to the first episode where we talked about Godzilla <laughs> Planet of Monsters or whatever. Uh Jen Uroboshi has worked on psychopaths okay and uh expelled from paradise gargantua on the Virduous planet worked on some common writer stuff hmm. the deal is that these are not like people who just magically appeared for this movie like they're entrenched in the the genre of anime i guess yeah
1: i mean the ones of you that you named are kind of like i mean
0: like psychopaths, I know gets talked about a lot. Yeah. And then, um, my
1: kid likes yeah. that one, I think. Okay. Yeah.
0: Anyway, the, uh, the only other thing I was going to say about, you know, what I didn't like about this film is that these things I was talking about that I liked, where they're like, oh, we're going to hint at this thing, slightly nod towards it. I didn't like how it's going to take you five watchings of this freaking movie to get everything. Mm -hmm. I'm not watching this movie another four times.
2: Mm
0: -mm. I've already watched it twice. That's enough. (laughs) And I really am serious. Like, I don't feel the need to watch these films anymore. I think there's a part of me that doesn't want to be listening to a podcast two years from now and have somebody say, well, here's all the uh, in-depth connections of the Godzilla anime series and have me sit there going like, "Wow, did I miss all of that?" <laughs> you know, so I want to be able to find these kind of connections, sure. And share them with people, but man, I just I just don't have the patience for it. I mean, I'd have to sit there and take arduous notes on this entire trilogy and I don't really want to do that at all. I mean, overall, I feel like the character development was terrible. I feel like the pacing of these films is absolutely horrible. Yeah, like, they're too slow. They either feel like they're stretched out or way compressed. And like, I don't know how you could actually accomplish that. Like, but they did it somehow. They made me well, feel like wasted it was money too, on the, oh, sorry. too much and too little at the same sorry. time. They wasted money on the what now?
1: I feel like they wasted money on those shots, like the wasted, those money shots, mm. like those opportunities that were like good things they spent too much time sure. farting around with.
0: <laughs> the money shots. Man, so, I don't even think I could say that they're... like I wouldn't even be able to tell you any money shots. You didn't like in this.
1: those, the kaiju battle? Like, the actual battle where... K-
0: Godzilla versus Ghidra in yeah, this case? Yeah, where no. is like
1: picking Godzilla. Not and... really.
0: I didn't really. I mean, basically, everything that you see action-wise, monster versus monster action-wise in this film, has been done way better with practical oh, yeah. actual physical suits
1: true story
0: and like again when giedra came down i never got the gloomy doomy oh my god we're no. gonna all die vibe from this <laughs> even though the their his acolytes were like bring on king giedra bring on our demise or whatever their chance said just like they're
1: very like um what is it? Uh
0: Super it, Culty. What
1: is it? <laughs> Heaven's Gate.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it was yeah. their Hail hail, Bob.
0: Oh <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, so that's what I didn't like about it. Gretchen, what did you like least about this? This actual
2: movie?
1: Mm. Um I thought the waffling of the main characters, like emotional state was really the most annoying thing I had to witness.
0: He's a really annoying main character. Yeah.
1: I I don't like him at all, but it it was more exacerbated at this last film because he's putting his money in the... (laughs) (laughs) And I was also really confused. Somebody explained to me at some point, like, did he marry the two Mothra
0: girls? Yeah, the Hotuo girls. Well, one of the Hotuo girls died, I think, right?
1: Well, they're both there at the end.
0: Oh, they... I see, I was confused. See, I can't... I don't understand how this movie gets away with having so many characters that don't mean anything and then the ones that do mean... Like, at the end of the movie, you're like, wait, did the ones that matter, did they survive? Like, okay, let's talk about... Let's talk about some of the characters real quick, okay? I want to talk specifically about Yuki Tano, who in the last film, that's the girl, right? Yuko, yeah. Did I say Yuki? Yuko, yeah, Yuko. Yuko Tani. And basically... She is sort of like the protagonist for Haruo's actions at the end of the second film. Right. right? She's getting attacked by the nanometal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's she's fusing with the nanometal, but not fusing with the nanometal. She's fighting it. She's fighting it. And then to stop the nanometal, I think I was confused during our last recording, but it's since I watched it again, yeah. <laughs> now I'm less confused about this damn movie. Uh, so in order to stop the nanometal, he destroys the control room of Mechagodzilla. Right. which is what then brings about the destruction of Mechagodzilla City. and But she doesn't survive. She's not so alive. So you think. But she's not alive. <laughs> she's the, got it, nanos in, in her. In the beginning of this movie, they've got her on a table, and they're either saying, like, we can't do anything for her, or she's, she's gone. But she has the nanometal in her. Right. So I get Haru's sacrifice at the end. Spoiler, but without going into details. But her, as soon as the movie starts, her character is just put away totally in a drawer. And then the entire rest of the movie, I'm sitting there going, like, Yuko doesn't matter anymore. Like, no no one's talking about her until the very end of the film. I'll Mm. just bring her out of storage now, drop her back into the after I already
1: have my wives. (laughs) Mm
0: -mm. Yeah. And I don't get that either. Right. Like, clearly, we got to repopulate the earth. I don't know if that was Haruo or another Earthling that just looks freaking identical because every single character looks the same in this movie. Because
1: unfortunately, they did not spend money on making different expressions on people's faces and different faces. Like it seemed they should just have
0: like, okay, this guy's going to have a mohawk. This guy's (laughs) going to have long hair. This guy's going to have short, spiky hair. This guy over here is going to have a shaved head with a big, big beard. This guy over here is gonna have, I don't know, pink hair, you know, just, you gotta be able to identify people. And like, if they look so similar that you're like, is that a main character or just a random human? Then you've. This is why they did this in other
1: anime, because they want to make the characters look different.
0: Yeah. Well, I approve of that. Right. (laughs) You know what? I never had a trouble at all. No trouble at all discerning between the characters in Gridman. Right. Every single character I could, I've only seen the series once through, I can picture every single character in that movie, in that series. No problem discerning them between each other. But yeah, you put everybody in the same freaking space uniform with slicked back hair and you're like, I don't know, is that Haru or Leland? (laughs) You just, yeah, anyway.
1: So obviously we hated it
0: we kind of hated it I really wanted to like it I really wanted to take something away from this third film that made the other two films justifiable and in the long run this trilogy just will never do it for me
1: but they did wrap the story up
0: they did wrap the story up fairly nicely Yeah, I do remember sometimes as I was watching the film going oh cool Mm -hmm. You know, they did that or, oh, that's where they were going with that particular item. Mm -hmm. I'm glad they brought stuff back. I'm glad they wrapped it up. I'm glad that they had some wow moments in the film. But overall, man, (laughs) it's a no from me, dog, (laughs) to gif it up here. (laughs) No. Gretchen, what about you?
1: Um, no. I, I mean, straight up, like, old Dai Kaiju style. I would not recommend this to a new kaiju fan. No. I mean, new kaiju fans, this might be the way for them, but I. I don't know.
0: Listeners, if you know someone who has personally never enjoyed Godzilla and then, after watching this anime trilogy, has decided to watch actual Godzilla movies... Please let us know.
2: Yeah.
0: That would blow our socks off if that actually happened, I think. But we don't see that happening. <laughs> like, I haven't seen anybody praise this movie as an overall like success. Not just no. the movie, but the animated trilogy. And in fact, let's talk about the this movie as a trilogy, success or failure.
1: No.
0: Failure. It's a failure. It's a failure. I I hope that this we is an actually have successful telling actual numbers behind this that could say toho spent this much money they earned this much money it'd be interesting to find out how much money netflix supplied to them you know because it was from the get-go it was a sort of netflix co-op and i've been pushing if you've heard me say this on the recent podcast i've been pushing for more outside money to come in because toho does not know what they're doing In general, I feel like it's a much better idea for us to go back to a system at this particular junction where an American studio is influencing Toho with some money by giving them some money to beef up the special effects department and to give them money to beef up the writing and directing. Mm -hmm. Like basically, we need a new Sapper scene. We need a new Hank Sapper scene to facilitate giving Toho some extra money because Toho is not going to make a good Godzilla movie by themselves. They're not going to make a a Godzilla movie that is going to make people say, oh, we need a man in a suit again. Mm. They're not going to make a movie that people say, oh, man, the time of giant monsters is today, you know, without some kind of financial boost. You know, they just don't have that kind of money. You know, there's a Gamera movie that was supposed to be made. Mm. Katakawa in 2015, I believe, tried to basically find investors to help them make a gamera movie. Katakawa is a publishing company in Japan. Why the hell they need investors to help them make money when they are a successful publishing company? Doesn't make sense to me, but they were not able to do it. And so that gamera movie got
1: shelved. Do you think it has to do with just like culturally movie, the movie industry in Japan versus? the United States.
0: I couldn't say, to be perfectly honest, because at this point, I think that the the Japanese movie industry, it's definitely, you know, it's happening. Like, they keep making movies. And if you look at the box office uh, numbers over the, you know, over a course of several months, you'll see a lot of Japanese movies in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, American movies play very well in Japan and in other Asian territories, specifically China.
1: Oh, man. China's definitely making some huge leaps and strides as far as their films are concerned. Uh, Oh,
0: yeah. Now, China's doing what I'm talking about America doing. Right. Like, China's coming into Legendary and saying, yo, Legendary, (laughs) yo, I got this killer movie for you. And I'm not just going to say, here's a killer movie for you. Here's all the stars we're going to give you. And look, here's a big stack of cash. Right. (laughs) You know? And so Legendary's like... Yes, sir, we are going to make your Great Wall movie. We're going to put all these Chinese actors well, in it.
1: Great Wall wasn't.
0: <laughs> I, I didn't say it was a great movie. But they made the movie.
1: It was epic.
0: Sure, yeah. But that's kind of what I'm saying is like, Yeah. if Toho was serious about making a Godzilla movie that would play to modern audiences, but still be Japanese, and I, you know... Shin. If, Shin was the way to do it, right? But if you want to, if you want to go back to the practical methods, which can be, done. I want to go
1: back to the practical. Me- I love Shin for what it was, but yes. I would, I would love to see somebody in a suit more so, than anything.
0: So Masaki Tezuka is the guy who did Godzilla X Megaguirus, Godzilla X Mechagodzilla, and Godzilla Mothra Mechagodzilla Tokyo SOS mm. in the two, you know nineteen ninety nine two thousand or the two thousands, I guess I should say. I know for a fact that that man probably wants to get behind the camera and do another Godzilla movie. And I would hope that if he was able to do that, he would he would be on board for directing a live action film, not just people as the actors in the movie, right. but also the live action special effects. And um so when we were in Japan this last time, last week, <laughs> I should say, uh, we went to this Tsuburaya Museum and they had this 1954 Godzilla suit that had been created recently for the 64th anniversary they filmed this small six-minute movie of Godzilla attacking that city, Tsukugawa. and it was all done with practical effects. It looked... It's not movie-grade, but it is, for a museum, it's badass. And it makes wow. me just go, oh, yeah, that!
1: That's what we want! Somebody needs to make that! Do and, you think they're as interested in the nostalgia as we are?
0: It's hard to say, because you have to balance that right like you've got to get the old school fans who want to come in for the nostalgia vibe yeah but you've got to be able to hook those new fans for future movies you know so i just feel like there is a balance that could be struck somebody needs to find it but they're not going to find it if they don't try mm. and this is not a case of them trying the yeah, anime trilogy unfortunate
1: no. miss man it's, yeah. it's bad.
0: Yeah, Godzilla was the first one. Planet of the Monsters, Godzilla City at the Edge of Battle, and Godzilla the Planet Eater. I'm unfortunately giving you guys thumbs down all around. Yeah. I think out of a 10-item scale, let's say uh, I'll give the movies two and a half screaming anime characters out of 10, <laughs> which is not a good score. Oh. <laughs> anyway i don't really want to talk too much more about the film uh it's very clear we didn't like it hopefully if you listen to this yeah right if you hopefully if you listen to this you've learned something about the film that made it interesting to listen to us ramble about it or me ramble about it (laughs) earlier on now before we get to the listener homework i must admit that i've done what i was not intending to do i have actually watched this film like twice more since gretchen came over In my opinion, the script's biggest flaw is filling every moment with inane questions and statements and exclamations from like every cast member. So much so that it makes Key Luke's constant narration in Godzilla Raids Again seem passable in comparison. It's one of the reasons that I feel like this film is so dense. But if you were to take out, you know, half of what these people say that means nothing to the actual story, then I think you'd have a much more digestible film. I think I said it in the discussion. This movie, this trilogy, needs a script doctor. Thankfully, I think this film had some things that worked. Now, I actually think that the Godzilla vs. Ghidra, Haruo versus Mephi's connection is done better here than it was in Godzilla Final Wars with Godzilla versus Kaiser Kidra and Ozaki fighting the controller. Now, that's not to say that the kaiju battle in this movie is exciting because, wow, these super slow-motion kaiju fights are so boring I really think someone needs to fan edit this whole trilogy into one long movie. There would be so much to cut. The kaiju stuff should be exciting, but the music and the speed of the action betrays the one aspect of this genre that we want to see in this trilogy. But the monsters just move so slow because of their immense size. Speed that up. Put some different music in there. Maybe it would work better. Also, the last thing I want to say before I move on to the listener (laughs) discussion is... I hate the servum. The servum are the worst aspect of this entire series. Completely benign. All they do is attack people one time and then they make this connection like, oh, well maybe they're kind of like offshoots of Godzilla, but then they just drop it. I feel like they do that a lot actually in this this trilogy. They sort of drop things that could have potential going forward and then Spend way too much time filling the audio landscape with talk, 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 talk. Anyway, let's hear what the listeners had to say. Mike Keller will give the Planet Eater credit where it deserves it. It is, in many ways, a unique entry of the pantheon of the Godzilla universe and took some twists and turns that he did not see coming. He honestly expected Yuko to be healed slash resurrected, especially at the early admonition that she was still alive, and was surprised that this did not happen. This film is the only one in the franchise to contain the suggestion of two characters having sex, apart from an offhand comment made by Nick Adams and Monster Zero about spending the night with Namikawa. For that matter, Mike found it interesting that both sisters offered themselves to Haruo. He rejected the first but accepted the second for no apparent reason other than she was the one who initially recovered and applied first aid to him. Mike never thought he would hear Arthur C. Clarke referenced in a Godzilla film, and that ending, Mike is not sure what to take away from that. It's easily the bleakest ending in the series. With Godzilla triumphant and mankind defeated, reduced to living like primitives under his shadow, not to mention the destruction of the Aratrum. Godzilla 2000 kind of tries something similar, but eh, not really. And was that after credit scene supposed to offer any hope? Is the answer to abandon technology and live as future hippies? Will Mothra awaken sometime in the years to come to save us all? And will we still need to be hippies after that? Eh, Mike doesn't care. He's done. But he's not. He finds this a difficult film to write about. He said before that he would probably appreciate it more if it were not Godzilla, but some original anime kaiju. But who is he kidding? The fact is he doesn't watch much modern anime, even the hyped and popular stuff. He's never seen a single episode of Attack on Titan, Bleach, or even Evangelion. Surprising, that last one. If this did not have the name Godzilla attached to it, then no, he would never have bothered. He also guessed from the first time that he saw them that Metfees and the Exif were up to no good just something too sinister about them. He was a little taken aback by the fact that Ghidra, the monster that destroyed their world and drove them off their planet, was the thing that they worshipped now. What were they gaining from all this? The Wikipedia explanation was not adequately laid out for the narrative of either the dubbed or subtitled version of this film, and Mike is still not entirely clear why Haruo was necessary to the Exif's plans, or why they waited until now to call their god-slash-destructor out of whatever dimension he was hiding in. In fact, Ghidra seems to be doing just fine without any assistance from Haruo and likely would have been triumphant were it not for him. So go figure. As for Ghidra himself, no thanks. Mike noted <laughs> Mike noted before from viewing the poster that Ghidra seemed to lack a body. Well, guess what he saw after watching the film? No body. Nothing but neck, baby. Endlessly long necks. And no, that silhouette version does not count. Mike has stated before that he doesn't mind Toho or Legendary or anybody continually resurrecting Ghidra because Ghidra hasn't been done right since the Showa era. This movie was no exception. In fact, it might be Mike's least favorite incarnation of the monster apart from Kaiser Ghidra. It was nice to hear the classic sound effect again, even if it wasn't used as the monster's cry, but that's pretty much it. If they would just nail Ghidra like they nailed Mothra in Tokyo SOS, then, and only then, can they give him a rest. Until then, back to the drawing board. Mike has little else to say about this film specifically, maybe only it was the first time in three films that the Godzilla's nuclear origin was acknowledged, but would instead like to reflect on the entire anime trilogy, now that it is complete. He does not harbor the hatred for it that many do, he is more disappointed than anything else. In fact, with the necessary tweaks, this trilogy could have been fantastic. He also doesn't mind taking Godzilla into left field every now and then. Godzilla has been around long enough with so many interpretations that there's a lot of room for experimentation. However, Mike is left with the feeling that this sort of experimentation was the wrong choice for Godzilla's first foray into the realm of Japanese animation. Do something like this after you do a proper anime Godzilla. As it stands, Mike considers this trilogy a minor, sometimes interesting, but often infuriating effort. He is ready to forget this and is much more looking forward to the 2019 King of the Monsters movie, the short Shodai Godzilla film running at the Eiji Tsuburaya Museum, which is awesome, and also rumors of the Godzilla vs. Evangelion short to be shown at another Japanese theme park in Osaka. Jacob starts his homework with a quote, Our scientific power has outrun our spiritual power. We have guided missiles and misguided men. Martin Luther King Jr. A vast improvement over the previous two movies in this series, at least as far as Jacob is concerned, helps to make the two previous movies in the trilogy retroactively better by bringing everything into sharp thematic focus. This movie reveals the trilogy as being a four and a half hour meditation on the humanity's relationship to technology and what makes something or someone a monster. This movie and the trilogy as a whole could be read as being opposed to technological advancement given its bleak tone and constant reminders that humanity's drive to achieve prosperity through technological advancement is why Godzilla came to exist. That reading, however, feels like it comes from a very narrow, or Belisaludian view of technology. Far from being it against technological advancement, the messaging of the movie is prioritizing a more responsible approach to societal advancement, rather than just blindly charging ahead into our own destruction. We see this philosophy in the Hotua, seemingly the writer's ideal humanity. Much criticism has been leveled at the film's ending, but to Jacob, this was the only way that the story could have come to an end. Haruo is a character whose story, in contrast to most traditional character arcs, is defined by his lack of change. Haruo begins the story hating Godzilla, and he ends it hating Godzilla. Being hated is, as Metfiz says, what makes Godzilla, Godzilla. Then it's what makes Haruo, Haruo. To give up hating Godzilla can only mean one outcome for him. At the end of the trilogy, there are no more monsters. I don't... I understand what you mean there, but uh, anyway, he goes on to say, On a less heavy note, Ghidra, by way of Lovecraft, might be one of the best decisions the filmmakers made. Ghidra had always the flavor of the eldritch horror since his first appearance as the wandering planet destroying space dragon, but this movie took that idea to its most extreme end point. The reversal of the trope where Ghidra has been a puppet of aliens and time-traveling future people in past films to being a puppet master of the entire series whispering evil to the Exif through the Gamatron, is just great. Takeyuki Hattori has clearly grown a lot as a composer over the years since he scored Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla and Godzilla 2000, and he delivers a great score for The Planet Eater that Jacob hasn't stopped listening to. This movie still has some issues that its predecessors had in dialogue writing. One character will say one thing, and then later several other characters will say the exact same thing. And we get it, guys. Ghidra's from a different universe. Either say something new or shush, looking at you, Dr. Scientist. Finally, Jacob believes that despite the fandom initial reaction, and that this Godzilla movie is just not for everybody. Given time, this movie will be better appreciated by the fandom. The movies may also be a good way to introduce an anime fan to Godzilla for the first time. Frank says, Who at Toho thought this anime was a good idea? Mothra tribal women, Mechagodzilla evolves into a city, Giger is like going to see your favorite dead artist like when they're on stage as a hologram, as in every Godzilla movie, not enough Godzilla screen time. The only good thing he has to say is that the artist who made Godzilla himself, he dug the way he looked. But Toho should never, ever do this again. Adams says that he honestly can't muster any other feelings for Godzilla the Planet Eater beyond that it's just a movie he watched. It's just there. It felt like basically nothing happened. Ultimately, nothing in the story mattered. There was no payoff whatsoever for the entire thing. It made the whole trilogy feel completely pointless. Adam will say that the whole gravitational, temporal thing that King Ghidra had going on was really cool, though. Definitely the most interesting thing that the movie had going for it. Adam thinks that the most impressive thing is how the movie actually still manages to cop out of doing a proper fight, despite seemingly doing everything in its power to lead up to one with the whole making King Ghidra a tangible thing. It's like, oh, hey, King Ghidra actually has physical present now. Maybe they'll actually fight. Okay, never mind. King Ghidra just got instantly KO'd and buggered off back to his dimension. Like, what the hell? Come on. Adam gets the whole shtick with this trilogy that it was about the humans and not the monsters, but that was beyond lame. He's just glad the trilogy is over and done with at this point, honestly. Francisco is looking forward to this episode on this particular film, hoping that we can put it back on the rails since he became lost by the end of the last movie. He watched this with his sister about a month ago, back-to-back with City on the Edge of Battle, She had not seen the first installment, but that didn't harm the viewing experience much, if at all. He enjoys the implementation of the common G-tropes used in novel ways to create a distinct universe. He's also happy to see something other than the expected. He has read criticism, claiming that the lack of monster action or representing Mechagodzilla as a city are examples of the creators cheaping out on animation. And while that may be the case... It seems like an instance where the limited budget forced creative writing, rather than just dishing out a budget version of something familiar. Interesting that you say that, Francisco, because I am desperately trying to find out what the budget was for this movie series. There's literally no information out there on the internet that I've found so far. Not to talk too much about the second film, but finding out that Mechagodzilla was a city gave a similar sense of satisfaction as had when first seeing Komodo-kun on screen in theaters during Shin Godzilla. Francisco saw something he didn't recognize, and he had the pleasure of reworking preconceived notions about what it means to be these characters. Another surprise was how the series was able to include moments of genuine horror. The dynamic between the three races was truly tense and eerie at times, and the stakes were nice and high. Not to be too positive, but he was surprised by how developed the characters became in the second installment, and felt like they were comparably less interesting in the third. Haruo seemed to be too conveniently upset by the death of Yuko. They only kissed once! (laughs) Guess that means Matt is halfway there from that little fake-out kiss whisper. Haruo's relationship, or relationships, with the twin girls was hard to keep track of and challenging to care about once the film somewhat abandons it at the end. A more memorable farewell to them would have been more satisfying. Not that the twins really seemed to mind him leaving them on a bus like that. Worst of all was the way this film seemed to glamorize and tribute the opaqueness of The End of Evangelion. Yes, it's fun to wrap one's head around complex ideas, but it seemed like it was purposefully convoluted, and they were rejecting it just as a trope of the kaiju anime genre. Francisco can't quite say he absorbed everything going on in the finale, but wasn't motivated enough to go back and rewatch the last act to figure it all out. Maybe another time. His viewing partner, who has not seen many Godzilla films, seemed more let down by the lack of monster action and Godzilla's lack of movement, perhaps an indication that this is not for kaiju newbies, who may need something more traditional before a reimagining like this. Not the best of movies, but not the worst. He would watch it again, 7 fake-out kiss-whispers out of 10. Well, there you have it, our kaiju discussion for Godzilla the Planet Eater, and wrapping up our entire discussion for the anime trilogy. Man, let's hope Toho does not do that again, because that was painful. And in the long run, I think it's really going to be one of those things that people will just never really glom onto. As I said before, I think that this anime trilogy could easily be cut down to, I don't know, like a two and a half hour movie. There's just not that much action that happens in it. And seriously, the last fight between Godzilla and King Ghidra was literally one of the most boring kaiju fights I've ever seen in my life. And it's just disappointing in the long run. Anyway, like I mentioned at the top of the episode, I am not feeling so great, so I'm actually going to cut this episode short, not go into any more pontification stuff. We won't be having another Daikaiju discussion until the next Godzilla movie comes out in America, Godzilla King of the Monsters, which I think is at the end of May, but don't quote me on that yet, you know. We won't have a Daikaiju discussion for the next couple of months. We are instead going to be working on some really awesome programming for you guys, some backlogged interviews and so forth. So in the meantime, I will leave you with the XIA or Sia song from this particular movie, which is called Live and Die. We'll see you for the next episode. Next month, Jamata. You know, and I'm a little bit under the weather, I get a really great radio voice. It's Thursday, February 28th, and you're listening to the Kaiju Cast. See, it's like great.